Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he did not personally remove the stone, nor did he remove the grave clothes from Lazarus, but expected others to do it. When Jesus Christ does a work in our lives, he will generally only do for us the things we cannot do for ourselves. It is indeed our responsibility to do what we can do on behalf of ourselves and others. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 11 and continue in this incredible story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Monday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully all just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, rocking in Jesus. We say every time there's, there's nothing that will benefit our lives more in every way, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, than spending time and growing in our relationship with Jesus. You cannot belabor the point. It's something that needs to be hammered into our heads. And so it's it's so second nature to us. And, and the reason it has to be hammered into our heads is because, you know, our nature is to just be so, uh, you know, attracted to this world, the things of this world, the responsibilities of this world. Um, and, you know, that's that's just what we're driven. We wake up, we go to work, we do all the things. We think about the needs that we have for ourselves, our our spouses, our children. Um, and, and we're just consumed with it, right? Certainly, you know, I am much more than I ought to be. But spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, giving time and devotion, increasing time every day to Jesus will certainly and meaningfully help us in in everything we do in this world. And so, uh, you know, Father, we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the living word of God, the Bible. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. Father, but above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and God and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect life for us and dying a perfect death for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we worship you, our risen Christ, our risen Lord today. Lord, we thank you that you are alive and risen today, and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we worship you today, and we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for guiding us, for comforting us, for counseling us. We ask you to, to lead us and guide us now. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear as we open your word. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so we're in this exciting part of John 11, of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Today, we're going to we're going to work on verses 38 to 44. Uh, maybe we'll get a little farther in that. I don't know. But this is the, the climactic moment here where, you know, Jesus is, um, is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. 
Um, I was really blessed in my study and preparing for this and uh, just some of the insights that some of the other scholars had had. And, um, you know, and it was, uh, you know, it, it's just it's profound. You know, when we study these. Um, when we study this chapter and just uh, just the, the profound depth and the power and just the who Jesus is just 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 comes comes very clearly before us it's forced right off the page of the bible in front of us that we are indeed dealing with god almighty now we see this throughout the gospels and and when we read these scriptures really the greatest i mean they're here to teach us right romans 15:4 everything that was written in the past was written to teach us or instruct us right so it's not just here so that we can read a story of what happened when Jesus lays, raised Lazarus from the dead 2,000 years ago. It's not a history book. It certainly tells us what happened, but it's meant to be immensely more than that. And so when we read this, we really get a, you know, a clear understanding, as we have throughout this whole book, that in Jesus Christ, we are indeed dealing with God Almighty, the Son of God, God the Son. So I'm going to go ahead and read verses 38 to 44 and then review just for a bit and then we will get rolling. Verse 38, John 11. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Verse 39. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Uh, this entire chapter has been dealing with, you know, this point. You remember in the, the beginning of the chapter, uh, Jesus has sent word that Lazarus is sick. He intentionally does not go and heal Lazarus. He, he knowingly and willingly, purposefully allows Lazarus to die. He tells his disciples, I believe it was verse 16, that Lazarus is dead and for your sake I'm glad so that you may believe so that our faith would be refined and strengthened. Um, you know, he, 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 then he, then he goes to, uh, he goes to where Lazarus is and Martha and Mary meet him. Uh, they both share their hearts and their disappointment with Jesus saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And they were uh, just disappointed and just, um, you know, but they were real. They were genuine with Jesus. And we talked about how 
when we go through troubles and difficulties and trials and hardships, and when we suffer loss, you know, it's a good thing for us to go to Jesus as Martha and Mary did. And it's okay for us to share our hearts, to share our disappointments. But then we talked about how, how Martha had this even now disposition. And we talked about how my brother Jesse had some great observations on this, that, you know, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what troubles you've come through, even now, the Lord will bring light out of darkness. Even now, the Lord Jesus will reveal himself to you and use this for good. Even now, no matter what's happened in your life, the Lord Jesus will work this for good. And you will experience it if you will give yourself to him. You know, Romans 8.28 says that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So if, if you know Jesus Christ today, if you're in Jesus Christ and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're trusting in him and relying on him, clinging to him for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, then indeed the Lord is working all things for, for good in your life. But the more you love him, God works all things for the good of those who love him. The more you love him, the more you devote yourself to him, the more you'll actually experience this in your life. Does this make sense, Esther? So he's working all things for the good of those who are in Christ, right? You're his children and he's working everything for your good. But the greater your devotion to Jesus, the greater your intimacy with him, the greater your obedience to him, the greater your repentance when you fall short, the more you will actually experience the goodness of God working in your life. This is a, this is a, a paramount principle. What am I saying? I'm saying that to believe and to know and to agree with the word of God, that if you're a child of God today, he's working all things for good in your life, right? We believe that by faith. But to believe it, and to know it and to agree with it in the scripture is different from, from tangibly experiencing the goodness of God working in all things, even in the difficulties of your life. So the more deep, the more intimate your relationship with Jesus Christ, he's still working all things for good in your life as he is all of his children. But the more that you personally will tangibly experience and know and be able to just, you know, recognize more so by faith that goodness working in your life. Doesn't that sound exciting? I mean, it's one thing to believe, yes, I know that, that God works all things for good in my life. But it's another thing for me when I'm walking with the Lord, right? My wife's favorite verse, blessed are the pure in heart for they will they will see God the more pure your devotion to Jesus the more purely and devoted you are to your heavenly father the more purely you are in walking with the holy spirit and obeying his voice and repenting when you fall short the more you will see the work of Jesus Christ and your heavenly father and the holy spirit the more you'll have eyes that see and ears that hear the more you'll experience the lord in your day-to-day -day life for blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus said, right? Remember in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, for they will see God. 
you will see the Lord and experience the Lord working in your life the more pure in heart you live this life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And that's really the case with, with all relationships, right? The more, the more intimate and the more personal and the more beautiful and the more, you know, the more profound your relationship is with your spouse or your children, the more you're going to experience the fullness of that relationship. The relationship doesn't change, right? I mean, if, I mean, if you're a mother today and that's your son or daughter, that's always going to be. I mean, it's the same with our Heavenly Father. If you're relying on Christ today, clinging to Christ today, holding to Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, God the Father is indeed your Heavenly Father. Jesus is your Lord. The Holy Spirit is your guide, your comforter, your counselor, right? If you are genuinely trusting in Christ, if you've received him as your Lord and Savior, remember John 1.12, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you receive Jesus Christ, you become, you become born again spiritually, right? You become a new creation, right? You, you are regenerated, right? You come into a new life. You go from just having physical life in a dead spiritual life to having not only physical life, but to being alive spiritually, right? You are born again spiritually. In Jesus, in uh, John chapter three, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You cannot understand the kingdom of heaven. You cannot, you cannot see God in any way or understand him or any way. And you certainly can't go to heaven and be with him unless we are born again. And again, it's, it's not some big, you know, you know, a lot of people are kind of, uh, you know, they're a little freaked out when they hear the term born again. It simply means that we enter this world naturally alive, but because we are sinful from conception, we have a sinful nature. And because of that sinful nature, we come into this world when we're born naturally alive, but spiritually dead. Our spirit is dead to God. And when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives, into our hearts, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, becomes one with us, regenerates us, and gives us spiritual life, gives us the eternal life. And remember, we talked about how eternal life is not only a quantity of life, but a, a quality of life, right? You are, you are born again. You were born physically when you came out of your mother's womb, but you were born again spiritually, right? And now you are spiritually alive and you actually have relationship with God the Father as your heavenly Father, God the Son, Jesus as your Lord and Savior and Master and King and Friend, and, and God the Holy Spirit as your guide, your comforter, your counselor. It's incredible. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And it's in this place that, that we go on to experience life in relationship, in devotion, in intimacy with each member of the Trinity. And the more that we, we give ourselves to that relationship, it has nothing to do with our salvation. We're saved, we're saved simply by trusting in Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven simply by trusting and relying on what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf and in our place at the cross. Um, Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
It's not your words that save you. We're not saved by puppeting words. We use words to communicate our heart to the Lord. So when we come to a place that we agree with the scriptures, with the living word of God, that we are indeed sinful, and because of our sin, we're hopeless, we're desperate, we're helpless, and there's nothing we can do. And out of that place, we humble ourselves before Jesus, acknowledging to him, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinful person. And Lord, I know that I cannot save myself, but I believe that you are the Son of God and that you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe that you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now, I humble myself and I ask you to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. And that's how you become a Christian. Now, again, I'm not just, it's not just this rote thing of just puppeting words, but it's about acknowledging and agreeing with the scriptures of your need of Jesus and then with a sincere and genuine heart giving your life to him and asking him to be the Lord of your life and to come and live in your heart and save you from your sin. That's what a Christian is. They're trusting and relying on Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. <clears throat> and when you become a Christian, you now have relationship with God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's nothing we do to earn that. We cannot add to what Christ has done on the cross. Now, from that point, once we become a Christian, the quality of our relationship will depend on our devotion and how, how, how much we work at it, how much effort we put into it. The grace of God will still lead us in every way. The mercy of the Holy Spirit will always be driving us to deeper relationship with himself and with our Father and with the Lord Jesus. But we have to cooperate with the Spirit of God in growing and spending time with Jesus and with our Father and with the Holy Spirit. Um, and again, the reason I say all three is because we, we have a triune God. Okay, They're all God, three separate beings, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in and through Jesus Christ, we grow in relationship with every member of the Trinity. It's wonderful. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So. We're at this point now, and remember Martha says, even now she knows that, Lord, even now I know that my brother's dead, and she knows she'll see him in heaven on the resurrection. And Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha says, "I yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, right? The Son of God who is to come into the world. And then Jesus comes and, she's in, in, uh, he comes to the tomb and he sees the people weeping and he's moved. He's angry because death has so hurt and wounded these people and he's troubled. He's, he's angry. He has an indignation at death. And so he asks where Lazarus is and they say, come and see. 
And that's in verse. That's in verse uh, 34. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. And then the verse 35 says, Jesus wept. And we talked about that. Jesus understands our hurts and our pains and our difficulties. And so now in verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Verse 39, take away the stone, he said. You notice there are no requests. It's a command. Take away the stone. Okay. If they don't obey Jesus, Lazarus is not raised from the dead. As I was studying this, Charles Spurgeon made an incredible point, and you see it all throughout the scriptures, and I've talked about it. But again, God will rarely do for us what we can do for ourselves or what he expects us to do for others, right? I mean, Jesus could have done it all. Jesus could have taken away the stone, could have removed Lazarus from the dead, could have taken off the grave clothes. He could do it all himself. But he expects us to do what we can do. He expects us to do what he's given us to do, again, not only for ourselves, but for others. Take away the stone, he said. So he commands the stone to be taken away. He's going to do what they can't do, which is raise Lazarus from the dead. They cannot do it. But he expects them to do what, what they can do. And that's, that's the reality of our lives, Scott. We need, to, we need to be walking with the Lord in a deliberate and obedient way, doing the things he's given us to do. Right, Tommy? Obeying him, spending time with him, and doing the work of the kingdom of God, right? Walking in the love of Christ, serving the Lord, and, and, and serving our brothers and sisters in Christ and those who would be, right? Um, we, 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 we don't ask him, right, and pray, you know, you don't get up in the morning and pray, Lord, would you please make me breakfast when you're fully capable of doing it yourself, right? Now, if you couldn't do anything, right, if you were like my brother Abraham, you know, just, you know, he's an inspiration to us all. He's a, uh, a quadriplegic, right? And if he was alone and he had no food, he literally can't move. It's 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 a horrific thing, but again, when when I see him, his heart and his attitude is again is certainly better than mine. Seems like most of the time, forgive me, Lord. But it would be reasonable for him to pray to the Lord, Lord, could you make me some breakfast? Because he can't move from this wheelchair, you know, for whatever it's been, fifteen years, twenty years, I don't know. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Lord Jesus, it stinks. He's been dead four days. Whatever she was thinking, you know, like, Lord, she doesn't, again, there's no concept that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead right now. It's not a thought. It's not a condition. They believe Jesus could heal somebody, 
but they believed death had the final say. And they're about to see that death does not have the final say, that Jesus is ruler even over death. And when we read this, this is what we have to come and see and understand and grow in our understanding that Jesus Christ is Lord of heaven, of earth, of life, of death, of everything. It stinks, Lord. Perhaps she thinks that he's going to, uh, you know, wants to, wants, to, wants to do a viewing or something or see him for one more time. That's not what Jesus is trying to do. Jesus knows what he looks like. It's an interesting point, right? She could have said a lot of things, but she says, you know, Lord, it, it, it stinks. There's a smell. There's a bad odor. You know, it wasn't, uh, you know, in those days, you know, they didn't have all the things we do now to a dead body. Um, you know, and, and again, I don't know all about that, but, um, you know, in those days, you would, you know, they wrapped the body, they put it in the tomb, and so it would stink, right? There would be a smell and, and the decay, and again, it's, it's a foul thing. It's not something you did. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And so again, I, uh, it's interesting, you know, Martha and Mary are grieved. They're wailing beyond understanding. They're, they're, they're so filled with grief. Jesus is here. He's at the tomb. And Martha's worried about the smell. Right. And I, and I, and I see this in my own life. I can be so distracted by worldly things that if not for the mercy of my Lord Jesus Christ, I could miss the biggest blessing in the world because I'm not going over there. I mean, it, it stinks, Lord. I mean, sometimes you may have to, to, to endure, Jose, just a bad smell for a little while to receive the blessing of Jesus. Now, again, I'm not giving Martha a hard time here, right? We all would say this, right? Because our minds are so locked, so locked, and we need, we need to increasingly be unlocked, Lord Jesus. Our faith needs to be more and more unlocked and refined. Um, that that we, 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 we believe and desire to see the work of God. I mean, when Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha should have said, hallelujah, take away the stone, right? But you, again, and you got to love the, the realness of the scriptures. Do you see how this reads? It doesn't read like some fantasy. It reads just like someone testifying to exactly what happens, right? It certainly reads just like a historical account. Now, as I've said, it's infinitely more than that, right? It's here to teach us. So when we look at this, we can just so relate to Martha, right? But, you know, Martha's not talking to me or you. She's talking to Jesus. It's interesting how often I got to tell Jesus that some men write. Because, you know, apparently Martha believes that Jesus doesn't know 
or understand that that rotting corpse that's been in there four days stinks. I'm telling you, I do that. How often do I tell Jesus something that he apparently doesn't understand? But Lord, said John. But Lord, said Martha. But Lord, said May. But Lord, said Chris. But Lord, said Naomi, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. I'm surprised Jesus didn't turn to her and say, well, thank you, Martha. I wasn't aware of that. And then incredible, again, just the, 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 the relational aspect of all of it, right? Martha's going to endure the bad odor for, for a few seconds. And then she's going to see a blessing from Jesus that uh, that's that's never been seen, right? That's that 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 none of them would ever think comprehensible. Uh, you know, never could they comprehend what she was about to see in the the raising of Lazarus from the dead. But again, she's going to have to obey Jesus. Jesus knows there's a stink. Take away the stone. Father, I ask you to help us. I ask you to help us to and have mercy on us, Lord. That uh, that we would obey the word of God, and that we would, Lord, whatever you're telling us to take away the stone, and even when it doesn't make sense, Lord, that we would obey you even as, as Martha does here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, it's, uh, like I said, when I was studying for this, um, certainly I didn't see anyone that talked about these things. Again, when we study the word of God, you know, we ought to study the word of God and meditate on it and see what the Lord has for us, right? And then we humble ourselves and, you know, as Bible teachers and we go and see what, you know, what, what other, you know, what other uh, men and women of God have spoken about the text. Um, and then we're led by the spirit of God to just teach the word of God. Right. And, and oftentimes, again, you find, I find incredible insights, you know, from, from the scholars and theologians that I study and that I, that I like, and I, I believe are very sound, but I often don't see, you know, the some of the the deeper, more profound insights that I'm that I'm looking for. Often you do. Often we we see the same things, but you know this aspect of take away the stone. You know, again, we, we need to obey the word of God, and when we don't obey the word of God, how many times will we miss a blessing? that we didn't think possible because what are you talking about, Jesus? That doesn't make sense. I was driving home yesterday from a, a Super Bowl gathering with, with uh, some, some brothers and sisters in Christ. And I missed my turn and my map took me, I don't know, 15 minutes out of the way. And I kept saying to the Lord, okay, what do you have for me? Holy Spirit, lead me you know, guide me. Okay. Why, you know, why, why would we do this? It was, you know, it's the, the, the house was in back roads, 
you know, for like 10 miles and it's, it's the house is deep back in the country and you, you know, it's, um, there was very bad lighting. And I mean, it put me about 15 minutes out of my way when I, when I missed the turn. Um, and so I was praying, Lord, what, what do you have for me? Why would you do this? And I kept praying and praying and praying and waiting and wanting to see and trying to be attentive. I mean, most of the way home, right? For the next like 20, 25 minutes, whatever it was, I was praying and seeking the Lord and that, and sure enough, nothing happened, right? I mean, I did not see what the Lord had for me, right? But I was expecting it in faith. I was trying to see, Lord, do you have something for me here? What do you want me to see? I don't know what it was, 9.15 or so to 9.30. Um, and, but we never know what the Lord could have had for us there, right? Maybe the Lord, maybe if I had gone on the normal way that I should always go, maybe there, maybe I would have been in an accident. I, I don't know. But again, I was, I was frustrated with it. So I was praying to the Lord. Why, why would you have me miss that turn? I'm tired. I'm trying to get home. Got to teach in the morning. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, but. But he ha I was looking to see what he had for me. And so, again, we want to we wanna obey Jesus when he tells us to take away the stone. Even though we know it doesn't make sense to take away the stone. I know maybe you want to take a look at him again, Jesus, but it's going to smell. It's going to stink. Um, you know, why? The butt lords in our life. But Lord, said Martha. And again, how many times do I say, but Lord? But unlike Martha, I won't, I won't obey. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? One of the scholars made a great point that, uh, you know, she's going to see the glory of God. But if we believe, we'll experience the glory of God in a, in a much more profound way. We're going to see the glory of God in our lives, but the more refined our faith, the more we genuinely believe, the more we'll experience the glory of God. So they took away the stone, okay? Martha would have had to give the permission and give the order, okay? Martha would have cooperated with Jesus. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. You notice he didn't ask his father for anything. All he did was thank him. They took away the stone. So now the stone is away from the cave. There's a dark cave and the dead body of Lazarus is in there. Then Jesus looked up and said, so he has this, this posture of prayer and thanksgiving to heaven and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You know, if it was me, I would have started um, frantically, Corinne, telling God, my father, all I needed from him. Father, I need you to raise this man from the dead. Let's just start out with thanksgiving. I mean, if I would start my prayer time with thanksgiving more, I have little doubt that my relationship with Jesus would grow exponentially. You know, oftentimes in our prayer, we just, we consistently just move right into asking for things. And, and of course, 
Our Father wants us to, to, to make prayer requests to him. But you remember David said, I, I sought your face. We want to seek his face, not just his hand, right, for what he can give to us. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. It's an interesting way to start out a prayer when you need a, a man to be raised from the dead that's been dead four days. His spirit's been in the afterlife, right, in heaven, in paradise for four days. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42, I knew that you always hear me. And then he, then he, then he, then he prays to his father and speaks to his father as to why he's saying this. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Do you believe that God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, into the world for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, that you might have eternal life, that you might be born again, that you might have resurrection life, and live a life, as it says in John 10, 10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you believe that? Because Jesus said this for the benefit of not only those people, but for us today. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Doesn't ask for anything. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And again, all of this is for the benefit of them and for the benefit of us. Everything that was written in the past, this was written in the past, was written to teach us or instruct us, right? So that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. If this was just a history book, there would be no encouragement. Because it's, you know, you know, it's, it's interesting to read history. But the scriptures certainly tell us what happened historically but it's infinitely more than that. It's here for us to encourage us, to instruct us, to teach us. Verse 30, 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. So remember, he thanks his father. He doesn't ask his father to raise Lazarus. He's going to command Lazarus to come out of the grave because he is God. Now, as Jesus was fully God and fully man, and, and certainly he laid aside some portion of his deity. He obviously had access to his deity and would use it, you know, throughout these gospels. We see him using his deity. And we'll see it here. He thanks his father. He's thankful to the father as we ought to be thankful to the father, son, and Holy Spirit. But after thanking his father in heaven, When he had said this, after he had given thanksgiving to the Father and proclaimed that he's done all this so that everyone could hear and so that you and I can hear, and we have here in, in 43 and 44, again, the climax of, of, of the entire chapter. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Three words. Not a long and lengthy declaration, not a 45-minute ceremony, three words. In a loud voice, it was a voice of authority. It was a voice of command. He was commanding death. You cannot hold him. 
he, the son of God, God the son, commanded death to let him go. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, may a voice of authority, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44, the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Wow. The dead man came out. Jesus has power to heal the sick. He's all powerful. He's omnipotent. He's almighty God. And he has power over death. It was incredible. One of the, one of the scholars had said that it's a good thing he uses Lazarus's name. I'm paraphrasing now. But the man said if he had not said Lazarus, he could have commanded all the dead all over the world, whatever the billions and number of dead were in the world, and they all would have came out. <laughs> yeah. But he says, Lazarus come out. Specifically speaking to the one man that had died and was in that, that tomb for four days, rotting, smelling, wrapped up in the grave clothes, right? Think about that. He could have commanded all the dead. He could have said all dead rise and every dead person that had ever died in the history of the world would have risen at his word. Do you see who we're dealing with here? Do you see Auntie Jackie, Uncle Dennis? Do y'all see who we're dealing with? Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Lazarus come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Once again, Jesus did what they could not do. They had no power over death as Jesus does. Jesus did what they couldn't do, but then Jesus commands them to do what they can do. Jesus could have wrapped up, take the grave clothes off himself, right? Jesus could have taken a stone away from himself. It's our job to do what we can do for ourselves and for others all the days of our life. And what we can't do, this is what we petition our Lord and Savior for, right? You know, it's been said, I've heard my whole life, people have said in this passage, right? My whole Christian life. Oftentimes, people have been born again. They've come into resurrection life. Their spirit has gone from spiritually dead. They've been born again. They've been raised from the dead spiritually, but we still walk around with the grave clothes. How many, how many of us are Christians? We're trusting in Christ. We're relying in Christ, but we're still walking around 
with the grave clothes. And Jesus wants us to lay aside those grave clothes. Mm. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, your love in our lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we have been raised spiritually, that we've received resurrection life, that we've been born again in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Father, I ask you to help us to lay aside the grave clothes, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be ministers, to take off the grave clothes of those who have been saved, who are trusting and relying on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. Help us, Lord, to, to unwrap them, Lord, so that they don't still walk around like death. Lord Jesus, you promised that you came to give us life and that we would have it to the full. Help us to walk out of the tomb, to walk out of our grave clothes, Lord, and to help others to do the same. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy, Lord. We worship you, our King, our Master, our Savior, our God. Lord Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. We ask you to seal the message to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.